a lot of Christian leaders are like, are asking, like, we don't know what to do anymore because, like, it's like very clear that this stuff is obviously not okay. Like, you know, Nazis walk, marching down Charlottesville is not okay. Me having to walk down the street and like look both ways out of fear, that's a new experience for me and that's not okay. And then suddenly you, you have these leaders who have been silent the entire time because they don't want to quote unquote talk about politics. And then suddenly they're like, well, maybe we should address this. Not that Nazis are marching down the street. Maybe we should talk about this. This is the airing of grief. Conversations and correspondence about spiritual de- and reconstruction. Season 2, Episode 5. A reimagining in three acts. Letter one from Brooklyn, New York. Dear Derek, do you file these? There will be more. I don't know if that matters to link them or whether you have a system. There is always a reason not to start this letter. It could be the so many things, so little time. It could be the heaviness these thoughts come with. It is probably a combination of both. Some background. I was raised conservatively Christian. When I say raised Christian, I mean both parents, firm believers in Christian school five days a week in church every Sunday morning. I remember being sick a couple of times a year on a Sunday and feeling strangely free at home, watching TV by myself, yet guilty for some reason, even though I was legitimately sick. Probably because it was Baywatch and I was 12. I was so firmly and conservatively and fundamentally raised that as a young child, I did not think about death. I was sure the rapture would happen and take me that way before that. No one talked of death to four and five-year-olds, but they talked about revelation. Living in such a bubble for 18 years, I was able to ride out that confident, childlike faith very strongly until I was around 25 when a decline started. At 18, I went to a secular university, but immersed myself in the Christian groups on campus immediately. I met my husband during an orientation event the first week I was there with one such group. I put him off for a year before we started dating. I had this idea that when I fall in love, it will be forever. Sorry, cliche quote from a song. My mom did not teach me much along the lines of how to handle romantic relationships, but she felt very strongly that you should only date your future husband. And this felt very important and serious to me. I also had this idea that this wasn't about finding the right person, but being the right person. More cliches. Anyway, this belief that I had some sort of control by choosing a reasonable person with the same beliefs, that we would grow together and work together to make something healthy, that I could decide to be the right person find someone to work with forever and we would make our own happily ever after. At 19, almost 20, we began dating. At 22, almost 23, we got married. At the time, three years seemed sufficient, but now it feels like the blink of an eye. 
I used to joke that the only thing we had in common was Jesus. We had few shared interests otherwise. At 23, we moved to New York City. We both grew up suburban. Early marriage was very hard. There were unforeseen issues and incompatibilities that marred our relationship. At 24, my husband told me he was having significant doubts about our shared faith. By 25, he was an atheist objectivist, the polar opposite of everything I believed, valued, identified with. I have spent the last 10 years reeling from this. I just turned 34. I have been married for 11 and a half years. We are about to separate. We have a four-year-old daughter. I have gradually lost my faith. Ironically, my faith was what kept me in it for so long. I see a therapist who tries to get at what happened in my past, to feel emotions I buried, to get at who I am and what I want. I have always been about others. It's hard to know myself. I think I will always be about others, that you can boil it all down to love. My worldview has not changed much in that regard, somehow. I have trouble letting go of Jesus. I think he was a revelation to the world, embodying love in a way that no one has or will. I have listened to half of your episodes, not all of them, due to the points I opened with, the time, the heaviness. I recall you saying in some of the episodes, I'm not sure you're still at this point, that you need to know the truth, this strong drive that you can't rest until you have it figured out. Perhaps it's my unique experiences that makes me feel this way, but going from one bubble, conservative Christian, into somewhat the opposite bubble, progressive, diverse New York, plus being a hyper-empathetic person who has lived with an agnostic atheist for about 10 years and internalized those thoughts and feelings. I feel like the black and white of my life shattered into gray. Maybe it was less of a sudden shattering and more of a mixing and melding like paint swirling together. I don't think I will ever escape the gray. And so my life right now is about trying to embrace it. To embrace that I may never know in this life if there is a God and if there is who he is. I automatically capitalize those. I'll just leave them. Sometimes I can be at peace in embracing the gray. Other times I judge myself using the conservative Christian lens that was second nature to me for so long. The truth? I don't think anyone can know. I think people can think they know. I did for many years, most of my life. I don't think I will ever be that person again. I don't believe I can know that there is a God. I also don't believe I can know that there isn't one. Hey, hey, it's Derek. Hey! <laughs> How's it going? Good. Sorry, finally oh. figured it out. <laughs> no, it's no problem at all. It's no problem at all. I'm just so glad to catch you. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you still okay on time? I am. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Uh, well, so we've got like 10 minutes, you know, just tell me, tell me your story. Tell me everything. Yeah, cool. Um, well, first off, uh, so I'm black. I was raised in the white evangelical charismatic, uh, church. I was actually, so it's actually really funny. Um, somehow through a series of events, it looks like you and I have the same circle of friends. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> so I actually was on the Life After podcast. Oh, yeah, that's right. You were. That's right. Yeah. Such, yeah. such good people. Oh, they're great. Love. I've known, uh, I've known, yeah, I've known Brady for a long, long time. And I met him uh, when we were both very much uh, evangelical, uh, yeah. uh, very Christian. So it's kind of funny to see where our life has, yeah. has changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, first I like, so I want to just, uh, I listened to last week's episode and, uh, or last week's bonus episode. Yes. I'm, I'm really proud of you oh, man. <laughs> for, for taking your stand for like standing your ground, like as an artist, like some of the, cause oh, a lot, the call. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. The call, like, um, a lot of this, cause I'm, I'm a playwright and yes. a lot of the, a lot of the issues that he brought up um, were actually reasons why I, uh, left evangelicalism Yeah. because I just couldn't be somebody who was, um, who had the responsibility of people's faith because yes. I wrote a cuss word in a dialogue right. and people were like, well, now I can just, well, <laughs> well, and it, and it's so, and it's such a strange dynamic in the church where that I have at least, and it sounds like you have for sure encountered too, that. However, you wind up in a position of having a voice or having authority, which it sounds like you know you you as a playwright certainly did, and and I and I and I backed into somehow as well. But just as artists, when you wind up with a voice, you there, immediately it seems there is this. It is a, it is like incumbent on you suddenly to be. Um, like a propaganda machine for yeah. the worldview. And it's like, what? but do I have to be proselytizing to have value or can I not just look at the world and describe it? Like, does everything have to be a, yes. fur, a furthering of the belief we're all practicing around here? And it's, this, but it is, it's this weird thing that happens and it's kind of the, it's one of the only, I mean, if you think about it, you know, I'm, so I'm using air quotes, Christian music or Christian art or whatever is kind of the only genre recognized genre that I can think of that whose marketing is its worldview. Like I can't really think of another and I'm not, and that's not even arrogance about Christianity. I mean like it, the presumption that if you're an artist and in the church that you become the propaganda machine is strange. And due to the fact that we're like, it's like the only genre art genre that is attached to a worldview, you know, yeah. like the, in, in iTunes, there is not like, a category for new age or Buddhist or Hindu or right. Islamic music. There's only Christian or gospel music, and that's a right. strange reality. Right. Yeah, like and, even in even in like the Grammys and stuff. Like that's right. there's like you know there's a Christian music section, right. and it's like it's so, it's, a, so it's a weird presumption, and you, and you definitely hit hit that as a playwright. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been for so when I so I had two um, bragging points when I went to church. Um, I had hmm. the uh, the uh, I'm 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 a I'm a playwright bragging point 
like whenever I, I would say, oh yeah, I write plays, like people would just look at me like, right. oh my goodness. <laughs> and you know, you are writing stories for the Lord. And you know, and I, right. <laughs> I like my, like uh, my calling quote unquote for the longest time was to go to Hollywood and actually like write good decent mm. uh christian movies because also like the current um as uh, uh at least then even now you know christian movies that come out are are garbage like yes <laughs> and i i knew that even then and so i was like well well i just need to change it I, i'm just gonna go over there and change it and then like you know right. we'll open up prayer rooms in hollywood and right. then <laughs> and we'll change the world and also like so there was that bragging point, and then there was the bragging point of being black yes. um, in, in a white evangelical church. So I didn't really get this until like, until like the Ferguson riots started happening mm. and all these other shootings started happening. How much pressure it, there, it is to be black in the white church. Wow. And because when Ferguson happened, and even like it, it took a couple years. Like I, I think like Baltimore happened. Like uh, um, Mike Brown uh, happened. Yes. The police Suddenly, like it was like right when white leadership in the church were like, oh, maybe this is a problem. Hmm. We should look at this. Or, or like, do we have a unique, like, do, do, is there something that we specifically from our vantage point as believers in Jesus or whatever, do, is there a way we need to address this that's going to be different from the way everyone else is addressing it? Or, yeah, yeah. And by the time they looked, uh, they looked up, they started looking to people who look like me for <laughs> counsel. Oh, wow. And for advice and like to explain, because I've I've actually gotten the the question. Can you just like explain your experience as a black huh. woman? Like I'm so present to my white privilege. Uh -huh. I'm so present. I just uh -huh. I, I'm having a really hard time with this right now. <laughs> right. You know? And so there's the added burden of your needing to suddenly not only have to go through it, but then educate everybody on it also. Yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, like, gosh. And meanwhile, here, um, here I am, just depressed. Mm. I remember when. Oh. Um, see, I can't even keep names right because there were so many in 2016. But yeah. uh, it was it was in July, and it was the one where the black man was getting out of his car um, in Oklahoma, and yes. he got shot down by that woman. Yes. Even so, several police-involved shootings this year drew massive protest and widespread attention. Like. And it was it was it was the exact same week as Philando Castile. Philando Castile was the man shown on live video as he was dying in a car. When I found uh, out on the phone, I literally just rolled over and like went back to bed. Yeah. I was just like, and I remember saying, I don't give a fuck about what my white friends think. Yes. Because by then I had been explaining myself and explaining myself and explaining myself to that was blue in the face. Um, I had a lot of a lot of people from the church uh, telling me um, that Black Lives Matter was a terrorist organization and oh, wow. don't you don't you agree with that? And it 
it just got to a point where, oh man, it it was exhausting. Yeah. Was, Tell me, did, did so? Did you feel? Did you feel that like the fact that you you already felt out of place in, as you said, in kind of a white charismatic church, but in addition, you're being asked to explain and contextualize and educate about it. Did that, I would imagine, and I I can't really imagine, but if I had to imagine it, it seems like that would make you feel even more isolated in that community. Like it would make you feel even less, even more, even more alone there because, because (laughs) now in addition to the fact that I'm already fundamentally different from these people in ways that they don't really know how to talk about. Now I'm even being asked to explain the con- the cultural context around these things that are happening. Yeah, while they are happening. Right. While yes. While you are emotionally processing them. Yeah. Apart from all of that. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I would probably say that that was like, that was the beginning of like my deconstruction. Like that was the official like, you know what? I can't anymore. I can't. I can't. I I can't counsel you. Right. Like I can't take it upon myself to be your your token black person, your your uh, token artist person. Right. And now I have to counsel you. Like, you know. I mean, to like pastors, it was just like, why aren't you doing your job? You're supposed to counsel me right now. Yes. Ah, oh, man. That's exact. That's that's exactly right. <laughs> think it would have been like that if you had been in you know like you know where the church you were in as you said was like a you know just like a white charismatic predominantly white church do you think it would have felt like that if you'd been in a different kind of church like a predominantly african-american church or at least a I, i don't know like some other denomination or tradition where like would it can you imagine it would have felt different yeah um at some point because actually it's interesting so every so when uh when Barack Obama became president in 2008, my mother um, intentionally went to a black church because she hmm. said she wanted to go to a church where they they, they would be celebrating. Um, wow. and, she, and, yeah. she, and she and she had not previously gone to a black church or to any church. She hadn't been going to a black church for a long time, except for every so often, and that and that's gotcha. because of her experience uh, within the within that system. Interesting. Okay. Um, and the same thing happened when, uh, I call him 45, um, hmm. when, when 45 became president. Um, but this time, cause she didn't want to go to a church where they were celebrating yes. or at least like, okay with it. And right. she wasn't. Um, but for me, it's cause I, I thought about this. I think as an artist, I still would have stood out. Um, yes. I would have. Definitely would have been expected to be on the choir. I definitely would have been expected to write a passion play, all that stuff. I understand. So the pressure probably still would have been there. Yeah. For, yeah. You, for you to have been like the voice of something. Yeah. And also as a woman, too, at some point, yes. I probably would have, like, as a, well, honestly, as a sexual woman, as a sexual being, that uh, those issues would have hit a breaking point. So yes. I think the deconstruction would have happened regardless. Yeah. Um, it just so happened that the extra um, icing was the color of my skin as right, well. Right, right. Yeah. Which is really what was coming to a head right then, as you said. It was, it was, it was what, what was 
lit on fire was the racial issues. It was more 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 so than anything else during that time that you were describing before. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Which your yeah. church was looking to you to help pastor them through, essentially. Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, have you ever like, I mean, gosh, ima- imagine like, you know, during, during your divorce, like people asking you, can you pastor me while, right. <laughs> you know, while yeah. you're like, you're yeah. like, well, I'm grieving right now. So. Yeah. While you're trying to survive your life right now, could you like kind of jump in here and help us get through ours? Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. I can exactly. imagine. That's a great I'm- metaphor. And that's your, I mean, you're right. I mean, I can't imagine how that must've felt for you, but that's helpful. I mean, you know, that, that, yeah. I mean, it would be impossible. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was, was a real breaking point for you. That's what you were kind of, that's the point you were making. Yeah. Yeah. That was a massive breaking point for me. And like the final straw was, I remember the next day I, I messaged, I messaged Brady actually, uh, just super upset. The final straw absolutely was no- November 8th, uh, 2016. Like mm. that night, I remember like, it's so weird. Some people like don't have a memory of what they were doing. I know what I was doing. Yeah. I know I know where I was. I know how I was how I was feeling. As time went on, I was just like, is this really happening? And then like around like probably like I, I forgot when I found out that the white evangelical church like 81% walked right. out. And I had been and I mentioned this before, but it, it really does hurt. I you know all my life I I I voted the way I voted like for a uh, mainly liberal like even like you know having gone to church I voted liberal. And I just was always told about like, oh, like I was shamed for it. I was Mm. really shamed for it, you know? And then finally, like, you look me in the eye. I had to have a conversation with friends and say like, so you think it's cool that I'm supposed to be okay with you voting voting with the Klan? Wow. I'm supposed to be totally okay with you voting with Nazis. Yes, right. I, I get, for, and I, I understand that's like an extreme for some people. Like right. that, that's that's like no, but like I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to say that people are super racist who voted for him, especially within the church. Like particularly within the church, right. I'm not trying right. to say that. But it's just like the simple reality is that if you get to call me out for um um like being a woman. And like being a sexual woman and like the issue of like abortion and how I vote, right. then why is it that like yes. allowed to call you out? You're right. hundred <laughs> percent. That's right. Well, yeah. and, and the thing is like what you're describing and the people who seem to most celebrate and be brought the most comfort by his election in the months following, it was, it wasn't, it's not, it's inarguable. It's not, you can't make an argument the other way because it was very clearly a couple of very troubling people groups yeah. who who were inordinately celebrating, you know, uh, in the face of everybody else. And it's like, and, 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 you know, and he, he, he made no effort. And in fact made, well, I'm going to stay with that. He made no effort to yeah. distance himself from that, from how happy they were about it and how clearly they felt as though they were going to, they were benefiting from him being in power. And it's like, it was a really fucking weird and complicated moment of like, wait a second. Like it's one thing, it would have been one thing for a, a really troublesome and really toxic and dangerous and murderous even group of people to celebrate something like that. But most of the time it's in, immediately dismissed, marginalized, yeah. distanced from, and instead he was like, 
No, there were a lot of different kind of people. <laughs> you know, it was like, yeah, I don't know. It was really confusing. It's, it's, yeah. you know, or not confusing maybe, but it was, uh, yeah. So how strange that must've been. Right. I mean, yeah, it was strange. Mm. It was like, I think it was more strange to like, cause this has been the time when a lot of, of, of Christian leaders are like, are asking like, we don't know what to do anymore. Like, we right. don't know what to do because like, it's like very clear that this stuff is obviously not okay. Like, you know, Nazis walk, marching down Charlottesville is not okay. No, that's me, right. Me having to walk down the, um, down the street and like look both ways um, out of mm. fear, like that's new and that, that, that's a new experience for me and that's not okay. And then mm. suddenly you, you have these like, and maybe that's why, like they're asking for advice, but you have these leaders who have been silent the entire time because they don't want to quote unquote talk about politics. And then suddenly they're like, well, maybe we should address this. Now that Mark, now that Nazis are marching down the street, maybe we should talk about this. And it's like, once again, we're being asked, like we people of color being asked to um, like counsel and give advice and like, you know, and like, it's, yes. And, and for me, it's just like, dude, bro, too little, too late, man. Yes. It's, it's a perspective that I had not thought about until you brought it up, that it's especially hard when, as you said, you're being asked by those who are in a position to professionally comfort and pastor you. I mean, if we're talking about the context of when you were in the church, you know, which is the time yeah. period where, and that they are basically coming and asking you to do their job for you, for them and for the congregation. And yeah. that's, yeah. it's unthinkable. Like it's, I mean, yeah, it's, um, which I'm sure speaks to some larger issue. Cause there's part of my, part of me, because it's not my experience. So it's going to take me a little while to process that and to think mm -hmm. like what, what could have been done differently. But it's like, I think maybe what you're and maybe the last point you just made, what I think, what, what it sounds like to me is that it's not even what you could have done different or what they, I mean, could have done differently in that moment so much as the fact that we wound up in a position to be in that moment. That's that's more the problem. It's like the circumstances that created the opportunity for that moment to where they were so uneducated about and insensitive to the the racial dynamics and the the writing that was essentially on the wall that did come to a head in the last, you know, in just in these last few years with so so many incidents like that. It's like I think that's really more because because when where my mind goes is like so what do we do? Like what do we do about it? Like how can we prevent other people from being in that and ourselves being back in those positions again. It's like, it's like the same way that you don't win a prize fight in the ring. Um, right. uh, or you don't make peace in the moment. It's a thing that takes forethought and intentionality and it requires our energy long beforehand to be possible yeah. in a moment, you know? And I think, yeah, I agree. That's how it seems. I don't know. Um, I think the so it's interesting. I like that you asked the question of like what could, could we have done to avoid it? Like what can we do? Because, and I've been thinking about this. Yeah. And the massive thing that I think always comes up when when this subject of of race or whenever like any 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 person of color mentions that hey you're being a little racist hey <laughs> right. this is not okay immediately defensiveness. 
like immediately yes. it's and it's almost like um i'm gonna use this term what um it feels like to an extent in a, in a twisted way uh um they make themselves like uh well like white leaders and stuff they make themselves wrong or, or like they shame themselves immediately and so they and, and so they uh, defend themselves mm. just like oh well i'm not you know, well, all eyes matter. Like, well, I'm not. Like, <laughs> why didn't? And it's like there's been it's been this like this fight against like I'm not that. I'm not that. I'm not that. I'm yes. not that. So long, and now it's just like it's like this mixture of like the facing the reality of okay, I actually might be a little. Yes. Because now I'm I'm in this system now. Yes, it's ad- it's admitting it's, that there's compli- that you're complicit. Yeah, and it's like. People are, are now finally like realizing that, and they're grieving it. And they're like, "Oh, this is oh my gosh! Hey, my friend, my black friend, I'm grieving this now. Can you help me?" And like, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> you're so totally right, though. I mean, yeah. and then it's like you know, it's like well, on our side, it's like I, I want to help you, and I want to like hold your hand and stuff. I'm just gonna send you this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Justice for everyone Please take your hands off my brother Please take your laws off my lover The agents of love should always be blind and on time So there's freedom for So, I mean, I just have so many hundreds of questions. I, I just feel like I, I feel like you, you would have, and what I don't want to do is the very thing that we're obviously talking about, which is so now teach me. And but, but, <laughs> but, but what I, what I do think is valuable in a, in a conversation, in, in our conversation, is I, it's so easy for me personally, especially when it comes to spirituality. Deconstruction comes very naturally to me because I'm, I just have that part of my personality. I, I like to disrupt and pull things apart and look at them. And, but it's the reconstruction that's harder. And so, and you helped, you specifically helped to bring us to this place. And the, the responsibility that we had to those whose voices are valuable and absent and, um, on the whole perspectives that are just not even, you know, that, that aren't, that don't even feel invited into the, into a conversation, certainly perspectives that are not seen and thought about. And so if this was your podcast, which it is actually, and it is right now, yeah. what would you, how would you guide us? Like how, yeah. how, how, how can we do better? Um, well, first things first, um, understand that when you simply say, when, when you simply invite people to, to the table, yes, particularly marginalized um, um, uh, people of color, um, understand that they're like historically, historically speaking, um, when, uh, when black men were given the right to vote, mm. um, the government invited them to the table. Mm. So we showed up to the table and and a lot of people were kicked out of the table. Hmm. A lot of people people were murdered at the table. Yeah. So 
get that, like, and that's like a generational thing. So like, that's one of those generational traumas. So understand that simply saying, we're inviting you to the table. That's, I would love it if like, if like that was enough, but that's not quite enough. No, it's not. You're right. You gotta like, just like go out there. Yes. It, it requires, as you're saying, more than just the, hey, come on in. Because, yeah. because we've been through that shit before and we know, we know exactly how that goes. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It requires more. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and as far as practically what to do, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, uh, reference um, ironically a ministry. <laughs> <laughs> this is a safe place for all of this, man. Yeah, <laughs> but they're really I've always admired them for for how they handle diversity. Huh. So um, in a varsity, Urbana, um, how they got so 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 diverse. I, I, really? I conferences. Yeah, they're they're no joke. Um, they're um. That's and so churches, encouraging to me. And churches that do, like, that are good at, at diversity follow this model. They say, okay, this pastor, um, we're looking for a black pastor, this, 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 this. Um, they're, uh, uh, the Urbana worship team, okay, we're looking for an Asian trumpet player for this, 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 and this. We're looking for um, a Hispanic for this, 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 and this. And so as far as, like, that formula goes, um, like, if you want to hear a specific story, about from 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 uh, from um, a Latina who, mm-hmm. who who's been deconstructing, like Twitter, post something on Twitter, like really like ask like ask yes ask 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 and like you know like retweet like ask because so I guarantee you somebody will find you like yes. I'm not the only black girl out there who listened to you when I when I, when I was <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I have done in my, I don't know what series of choices that I have made in order to deserve being on this call with you right now, but whatever it is, I'm, it's one of the few points that I'm very proud right now. I, I don't know. It's, it's more you than me. I'll tell you that much, but, but I mean, yeah, like, but ask, know, ask, ask, that was your point. Like to, ask, to, ask, ask. Like, to be really consistent like, and persistent. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, yeah, like and inviting look, those voices in, in that way, like very persistently and like going and, and specifically even, as you said, like, yeah, yeah. Which and demonstrates if, that, that there's a reason like why we, why your perspective specifically is valuable here and, and, right. and welcome. And yes. Right, because what I didn't, and, and I, I talked to Jamie about this. What I don't want for the, I think you don't want this either for the podcast, and for and for deconstruction in general and reconstruction to yeah. be a mass movement of like poor poor white people who are just dealing with spiritual a spiritual crisis. That's yeah, what that's spiritual right. trauma, whatever. And that's and that's it. Like, oh, like, I'm just having a spiritual crisis right now, and it's just like, and that's important, but also it's just like, well, and for me, it's like, don't forget about my story, like. Yes. Don't don't forget about me and don't forget about like how weird it is like for somebody of color to like sit next to like you know people who 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 have become complacent like don't forget about the the um, uh, mm-hmm. Latina person story um, mm-hmm. uh, who's also deconstructing who is who who might be deported next week and mm. they're surrounded by by people who are kind of complacent about that like don't forget about those stories like yes. Um, and, and the political and spiritual implications yeah. of those feelings, you know. Yes. Yeah, because it's a lie. I mean, it, it. I mean, and you know, like we 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 we're all going through it together. Like it's, it's a lot, and it's a. And I would rather have. I'd rather know that I'm not alone. Yes. And I think what was, 
scary for a second um, uh, uh, from season one. I don't mean like terrifying scary, yeah. but like it made, me, it made me nervous was that I was like, oh no, is, is this deconstruction movement just becoming becoming another evangelical movement? Right. <laughs> like it's just because <laughs> yeah. you know old habits die hard which is like, to say it's the same it's a new skin on, on the same brand exactly yeah. and you know I don't want all of us to like have our spiritual like crises for it to end up the same <laughs> right <laughs> you know no that's exactly right oppression is always oppression no matter the reasons or And, um, you know, it would be the thing, because I have seen, and so have you, churches do this, and I'm not trying to throw churches under the bus, I'm just saying it's just, it, we're, we're, we're making observations about our experiences, and you are and I am, but it's like, I've seen churches do this so poorly so often and and needlessly over the the divisions of our ability to understand each other in terms of race and things like that i think i've seen the church do that poorly and take and take kind of the easy the easy road which is just to let's just divide it up and let's just kind of have our own thing to me it's the potential and the the potential good that can come from people reassembling and recongregating without the burden of all of that religious expectation and and um, we have a real opportunity to do it better to try mm-hmm. to try and do it better on like outside of the confines of reli- mm-hmm. of religion and outside of the confines of of church structure and things like that I think it because people are not having to tiptoe in the same way it's like there it and and I and so that's one of the reasons why I think this is so important that I'm so grateful that you've been willing to use your voice in this way and to to be willing to to speak about it and uh, and to spend this time I think is so invaluable because it's like I think that there is this opportunity for for people who share a common shorthand around spirituality but are no longer anchored to it yeah. or by it right. um it's it's hope I, I kind of see it as the potential moment uh, or circumstance where it could happen, where we could have like a a dialogue that none of us feels like there's so much kind of politically at stake, and I mean that it's spiritual politics more than anything. Um, yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I actually like I a hundred percent agree, and I, I I know it it can happen. I've looked through the eyes of my father, and I've walked through Lincoln's backyard. And there's still a backseat when you ride on the bus to this town. There's color on everyone. And that would be my last question is like, where are you encouraged? And where are you seeing it done well and in a way that you feel like is honoring and respectful and protective and also going beyond with the ask and the invite in the ways that we're saying are so important like where, where do, you, do, you, do you see glimmers of hope like that I do um, I see shows so I'm, I'm just gonna go theater I see shows like Hamilton right 
um, where it's like all over the place, like you know, like all like as far as colors go. Um, You're right, I man. see, and even and even in, in this sense, because uh, I guess I'm, I'm a very artistic person, like and yeah. even in the sense, like now we're getting to this point where like it's no longer okay to have like a whitewashed version of any TV show or any movie. Yes. Like we're we're slowly getting to this point where it's just like okay, let's acknowledge that like there are other people out there in the world. Right. It's, it's, it's a cultural segregation that's been happening in Hollywood where, the, like you said, the stories and the TV shows and the plot lines just kind of pretend that the people immediately important to the story are the only people on the planet. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and like, obviously, like, you know, recently, the big one I see where like, wow, this is like, it's really possible. Like, it's, it's Black Panther. Yes, of course. So... I love the long game of that because it's a symbol. So Black Panther is eventually going to lead into more Marvel movies, yes. which means more diversity in the movies. Like, because it's not just like a bunch of white people. It's like this, this massive group of powerful black people and like these powerful, these powerful human beings in general coming together and they're going to make more money. And that is what I want. And that's always mm. why I, even in my deconstruction, I didn't just go to a black church mm. because that doesn't fix the problem either. Like uh, my end game and, and my goal is to create true diversity. But in order to get true diversity, we just have to talk. We just have to mm. acknowledge what is happening. We have to acknowledge the system. You, Derek, as a white man, you just have to acknowledge that, yeah, I've, I've been, I've benefited from, from the system and mm. now I'm to help other people like to benefit as well. Like, and that's it. Like it, that, that, that doesn't have to be this massive make wrong thing. Like yes. apologize if you want and that's fine. But like, that's, that's the end game and that's yep. the end goal. And that's what I'm a stand for, for like, not only just like the arts in general, but also for for this deconstruction movement, because it is so important. Like, mm. what is happening right now is so important. Because if anything, 45 being elected was the the not the final, but one of the the, the main gas of like, you know what? This is fucking bullshit. Yeah. And we all need to just get 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 together and yeah. like really just like understand each other's stories. That's what yeah. it is. Just like hearing each other's stories yeah. and. Well, yeah, and what it sounds like is it's it's not only the gathering in order to be providing the space for the grand and hard and long conversations, which do need to happen. It's It seems like it's just as much about providing the space for the mundane, regular conversations to happen. In other words, for the superheroes to get mixed up in each other's stories, you know, like, yeah, like yeah. to, you know, like to, to, to hear about each other's work and children and family and like we need a place to just not only hear each other's stories as a jumping off place, but then in, to be able to relate to and live life with and be integrated with in very real time and in very seemingly meaningless ways, people who are different than us like that, that ultimately might be the goal. Like, yes. Yeah. That's, that's our, all of our hope for black Panther that he does that in the superhero world and that we might do that in each other's worlds. I you agree. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And this is the first step. Yeah. You're doing it. You're yeah. part of it. Yeah. And so are you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, if, and if not for you, I don't know how, you know, if we, if we, if we could have gotten here and, it, and, and I can't tell you how much I, and all of us uh, really appreciate your 
being brave enough to call us out online and and uh, and and to be such a remarkable woman to to you know be willing to get on here and and uh, and us do this together. I really really appreciate it. Thank you and thank you for hearing me and thank you for sitting and listening. Like yeah, this is huge and massively. Thank you for your art, Derek. Like oh, as man. artist to an artist, like you helped me met, like in a major way. Thank you for your art and thank you for mm -hmm. telling your story. Thank you for not being afraid. Oh man, well, I, I mean so much. And I want to I want to get to. Uh, are you in? Well, well, we'll leave that for another time. But I want to I want to come and see your work uh, as well. So let's make a plan to do that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, totally. I would love to. Thanks so much. All right, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. to sway me toward the music of their early years since they didn't believe in where they ultimately went with their choices in life and couldn't condone the music of that later period. I think I had the 62 to 66 greatest hits cassettes I would listen to over and over. I remember hearing the song Imagine on the radio and there being this immediate affinity. It felt eerie and beautiful. But from the first time I heard it, it was also defined as wrong. It would come on in the car and make my dad offended to the point of anger. He'd switch it off. I remember being eight and at the grocery store, and it came on while I was on my own down an empty aisle. I could freely enjoy it and take it in. I got to listen to the whole thing. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us, only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. My dad listened regularly to Rush Limbaugh at the time. This song was not only blasphemous, it was communist. It went against everything we believed in, spiritually and politically. But in my heart, I loved it. There was no way that listening to such a beautiful song could be wrong. It is strange to see how with the melting of my gray, this song has taken on new meaning, or a meaning I can now embrace. The freedom to imagine. I never had that. I knew the truth. I have lost many things with my faith, my sense of self, my confidence, my plan, my truth. But now, I can imagine.
As always, thanks for listening and engaging with us as we attempt to create a place of safety and trust. If you're listening to the podcast, don't forget to give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Erring Grief. And if you can, give us a star rating and review on iTunes, which does a lot to help make us visible. You can see all episodes, companion essays, and get info about our team or how to share your own story at theairingofgrief.com. As of the airing of this episode, we are still taking calls for this season, and we would love to share some space with you. For information about supporting what we're doing at the Airing of Grief, check us out on Patreon. Details about our Slack community, our goals, and other things offered to patrons can be found there. We're still doing our monthly video chats and releasing bonus content there as well. And that's all for now, but we'll see you again next week, after church, for the Airing of Grief. Thank you.